Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lannermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And since you guys are listening to us, you often can't tell what shenanigans we're up to here at uh, the HowStuffWorks headquarters in Atlanta. Yeah. But uh, one of the shenanigans we have going on is a uh, gorilla gardening escapade. And you can talk a little bit more about this than I can. Yeah, a few of our co-workers, um, Mark, Candace, and Marie, um, set out to uh, occupy our empty planters out on the patio. We have uh, five of these things, like big concrete monstrosities. And for like over a year, all they've had in them have been dirt and uh, like a few weeds. And people have been, uh, I, I was actually like occasionally composting an, an, like a, an apple core out there. So we had a few like <laughs> doomed apple trees and, you know, coming out and occasionally someone throw an orange peel in or, or sadly a cigarette butt. But that was all. I bet I know who that was. Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably both do. But but anyway, nobody was doing anything with it. And for there was some rumblings like, hey, you know, some, we should go out here and, and plant this. Because for a while you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, somebody else is going to do it. Maybe like the building's going to take care of it, but they're not. So they set out, they brought in some soil, they brought in some uh, some seeds and right. planted like some, you know, it's like tomatoes and basil and, and all this. And lo and behold, it sprouted and you can go out there now and we have planters full of green things. However... If you walk out on the patio, uh, you know, right now in the, uh, the, the heat of the Georgia summer, 
Oh, yeah. It's it, a whopper. It's going to be a whopper. The sun is going to blast your face off. And right. it, the heat hits you almost like a physical force. Yeah. It just it makes you slow and it makes you stupid, which <laughs> which we found out at uh, the Discover Your Impact Day last week when we did the service project. For right, right. When we were digging in the dirt. Yeah. It just makes you like I was having a conversation with uh, one of our coworkers about uh, how we used to have offices on the 11th floor, but now we're on 15. Uh-huh. And, uh, and how I wasn't sure if we had something on 16, but I was just saying 15 for everyone. So <laughs> it was really confusing for him. And I, I, you know, it just saps your brain. But the thing is, it's like if you walk out on that patio after the sun has gone down, it's still hot because there's all that heat still emanating up off of the, uh, the concrete. Ah, Robert, that has a scientific name, doesn't it? Yes, that is the heat island effect. Yeah, and like you might imagine, the heat island effect is something that's largely confined to cities. And why? Because cities are, of course, mostly man-made structures. Cities are made with materials that often have low albedos, right? Or the ability of objects to reflect solar radiation. Mm -hmm. So the classic example is, think if you're wearing a white t-shirt, it's going to have high albedo, and a black t-shirt has low albedo. And cities are a lot like those black t-shirts, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, I mean, what is a city? It's, you know... It's asphalt that, that absorbs all that heat. It's, um, you know, city buildings. It's mm-hmm. tenements. It's all this stuff. It's enormous parking lots full of, <laughs> full of, uh, you know, just black asphalt. And then, of course, you're suffering from a lack of vegetation, unless maybe you do have a lot of green roofs or guerrilla gardening going on in your particular city. And so that means cities don't benefit from the cooling effects of something called evapotranspiration. And evapotranspiration facilitates more cooling by using heat to evaporate water from the whatever you're growing the plants in and the plant surfaces. So this is kind of a handy process that we like a lot, evapotranspiration. Right. Not happening so much in the cities. Right. But uh, but yeah, back to the patio. The patio is not a green roof. Today we're talking about green roofs. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. The, the patio is just, you know, it's good. It's it's a it's a great thing we're doing out there. Uh, you know, it's it's making things a little prettier. You know, air quality is maybe a little better, but maybe we have some fresh tomatoes with lunch. Yeah, but but no, a green roof is something um, a little different. Right. So, what is a green roof? I mean, on a basic level, it's really just a layer of vegetation on on a home, on a uh, commercial building, mm-hmm. any structure with a roof, basically, unless the roof is so pitched that having a green roof would be impossible. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you had like a thatch roof, you could like grow things in it. No. I suppose so. And we could be talking about anything from just putting ground cover up on top of the roof to building a huge park. And I think when most of us think of things like green roofs, uh, we think of, you know, this lush setting. We think of, you know, lots of plants. We yeah. think of little walkways. We think of a bench maybe to sit down and eat your tuna fish sandwich. What's the one in Chicago that looks amazing? Chicago City Hall. Yeah. Like you see pictures of that and it's like, it's like an Eden up there. It's like the hanging, you know, gardens of Babylon. You can imagine. In the, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. You, you can imagine. What was the, ma- the mayor? Daly. Mayor Daly? No, no, Daly? no. Uh, the governor. Blagojevich? Yeah, you can just imagine him up there, like, being fed grapes as he, like, you know, reclines on a <laughs> sofa or something, you know? That's exactly what I think yeah. of. Right, so... And there- that and that can be a green roof, but not necessarily. Right, so that kind of roof that we're talking about, this lush setting, is, is going to be an intensive green roof. And there are really two main types. So intensive is one, and uh, it's going to be park-like, like we're getting at. And it's also going to be a heavier load to bear on the underlying structure. I mean, after all, you're going to have people tromping around up there, and uh, you're, it's going to be more costly. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you'll need an irrigation system for all those plants, those lovely plants you'll have. But say you still want to do uh, a green roof, but maybe you're not interested in something so 
extraordinary. So yeah, so in that case, you go with a what they call an extensive green roof. Right, less maintenance. It's less lush, and you're going to have substrate between uh, less than an inch and six inches. And all they mean here is think about uh, the level that you're going to go down to plant. Right, mm-hmm. that's what we were, that's what we we're talking about with the substrate. Think of your vegetative layer, and then all the way down to uh, the actual roof layer. So if you think of that distance um, with an extensive green roof, that distance is going to be about six inches. Whereas if you have an intensive green roof. Uh, the vegetation uh, can go down to about four feet, I've seen. Yeah, I actually got to see an extensive green roof last week at the uh, Woodruff uh, Art Center here in Atlanta. Oh, right. Yeah. And you blogged about it, too. There are pictures of it on mm-hmm. our site. Yeah, for part of our Energy 365 uh, deal. Um, yeah, they let me go up there and uh, and take a look at the, the rooftop. And it's you walk up there, and mm-hmm. it basically looks like someone just took a bunch of planters uh, with, like, you know, some gravel and some little sedums, you know, these semi-succulent little, you know, desert plants. Uh, I'm a big fan of the sedum, by the way. I don't yeah, know if you've pl- uh, planted any of those with your wife, but... Uh, yeah, we have a little uh, little succulent garden, I think. We have sedums in there. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's key to what you plant on your roof, because, of course, they're going to be bearing the brunt of this intense sun, especially in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Might so not you- be getting a lot of rain, uh, like like in Atlanta. You know, we're kind of prone to droughts recently. Right. So you're going to want to make sure plants uh, are heat and, and drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. And then you're also going to want to supplement uh, their water use with an irrigation system, right. depending upon what you have going on up there. Yeah, like, for instance, the woodruff, they have the... Yeah, what do they have a woodruff? Uh, well, it's basically you walk up there and it's like a grid of planters, like the whole rooftop, flat roof, grid of planters. And then it's two different rooftops where they have the system set up. And I, I believe they had somebody at, uh, at SCAD um, actually design, like, there's, like, if you really look at it, there's like a swirl kind of pattern because they use different varieties of sedum. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is basically for if you're, you know, if you're a bird or you live in one of the taller buildings around it, you know, or if you're one of the, you know, tour groups or, you know, or, or podcasters who gets to come up on the roof, you know, you can appreciate it. But yeah, it's just a, a grid work of these planters. And then they have, they have some irrigation stuff up there for, mm-hmm. you know, just in case. And, you know, if it's, you know, gets, becomes a drought situation. Uh, and actually that, and then the water for that comes from, you know, their, uh, their rainwater, you know, drainage system. So. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was actually really cool, but also really hot. <laughs> so you can definitely see why there are desert uh, plants growing up there because it's you're really blasted. So what have they noticed, if anything, uh, benefits from from their green roof? Um, well, I mean, it pretty much lines up all, along the accepted benefits. I mean, it's um, you know it's it's part of an overall effort that they're doing there to um, to tweak their energy usage, mm-hmm. which involves uh, like there's they have some smart grid technology going on where they can track their energy usage in real time. Um, they, the big thing they did is uh-huh. that they just like threw, they, they had a big energy audit a few years back and they just threw themselves at, uh, at, at revamping their heating and air conditioning, uh, in terms of the hardware, but also in terms of the, like how they use it. Like they figured out how, you know, like, oh, well, you know, we probably shouldn't, uh, you know, air condition everything on a weekend, you know? So it's like, what can we not air condition, you know? And, and then, you know, how much are we using this particular space, et cetera? So it's, you know, smart management, smart, smart tech, upgraded materials, and, you know, tweaking, um, everything. So they've saved, you know, bunches of money. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. So you might be wondering how much a green roof could cost you. So I pulled a couple of numbers when we were researching this podcast and I came up with $10 to $25 per square foot, according to the EPA. And of course, you're going to have some annual maintenance costs thrown in there. And those are going to range from 75 cents to $1.50. Because again, the idea is that you're not going to need to go up there a lot and manage this stuff. It's, it's hardy growth. That's the idea. 
Right, right. Of course, some some of your plants are going to die. Stuff mm-hmm. is going to go wrong. You will have to do some stuff, and that's where the maintenance costs come in. But yeah, hopefully, it's running smoothly or running greenly, as the case may be. Yeah. And With- just for comparison, do you have any idea what the cost of a regular roof is? I want to... To see. Oh, thank goodness. I don't have any personal experience with that yet. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't really e- either until this afternoon. Um, so there is a, there's of course a little handy roofing calculator online mm-hmm. and I ran the numbers and it, so it's about $4,200 for a roof that's 36 feet by 24 feet, right? Made from mm-hmm. your basic asphalt okay. shingles, you know, the black kind of sparkly shingles you see on a lot of houses. So that's going to be roughly $5 per square foot compared to the $10 to $25 to even I saw $40 per square foot for a green roof. Wow. Yeah. So it's costly, but you can argue that the payment is going to come in the long term. It's just, are you patient enough for that Mm -hmm. return on investment? Okay. Yeah. They said uh, with um, at the Woodruff, like the main um, expense in setting it up was just using a train, not a train, (laughs) but using a crane to uh, move everything up there. Uh, that the, you know, the, the actual materials were minuscule. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if you don't have the funds for a green roof, um, one of the things that we came across was a, a white roof. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah. Paint it white. It's like the opposite of the stone song. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, of that, uh, podcast we did on fighting asteroids. Yeah. Where you just, if you want to deflect an asteroid, you just paint it white so that, uh, the, uh, the solar radiation just gradually pushes it off course. Right, right, right. So uh, the idea behind a white roof is that, of course, you paint it white and you reflect more sunlight and it can cut your energy demand during hot months. And it's it's kind of like rubbery almost is what I read. So you have kind of this rubbery white stuff on your roof. Now that, I don't know if it would fly in this <laughs> historic district that uh, we're trying to build a house in. Yeah, your historic districts, I guess, are going to want to go for at least houses that at least look like they're poorly designed, right? No, like, like the you know, like you know what I'm saying. It's like they're not going to be cool with like someone comes in. It's like, hey, I need a you know, I'm using this geometric uh, design. You know, I, my house is going to be made out of mud. You know, and it's it's eco- more ecologically uh, you know, ideal for this number of reasons. They're not going to fly with that. They're going to be like like that. That house looks stupid. Well, so we had to go for the before the historic district committee. And one of the things that they suggested to us or that was passed around uh, before we could move on in the permitting process to get this house rolling was they thought our flat roof was going to be so ugly. So they suggested, well, why don't you just put a green roof on it to mask the ugliness? But we, that, that's not in the budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you decided to go the geodesic dome, right? That's yeah. The, that's the final. And the, and the straw, straw bill garage right next door. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, we have a fine article on Shawville Homes. I want to add by yeah. Molly Edmonds. Oh, yeah, it was cool. one of the first articles I ever did. Do we or have edited? On, do we have one on geodesic domes? Uh, we have one on a couple of other alternative home styles. Cool. Yeah, you should look it up. Yeah, I'm when we're done podcasting. We have so many. Art, yeah, like I can't even necessarily keep track of what all we have. I discover new How Stuff Works articles every week. I think. Yeah. So, how else are you going to benefit from a green roof if you decide to go this route? Well, the roof's going to last longer. Right. Yeah, that's just, a, and it's another, it's another layer of insulation as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be able to cool things down. It's going to be able to insulate your house and it's going to give you some shade, right? Mm-hmm. And We're- I feel like we should talk about, we should quantify how much cooler are we talking? So there was one Florida study commissioned, uh, that found that the average maximum surface temperature of a green roof was 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Meanwhile, the nearby light colored roof was 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Seriously, 
Eighty-six degrees versus one hundred and thirty-four degrees. That's significant. Yeah, it is pretty significant. Of course, I, I don't know how big that study was, and uh, but still, that's a that's a that's a big difference. Yeah, and uh, also rooftop plants uh, they can suck up the carbon. So uh, yeah, we like that. Yeah, so that's good. It's always nice to have another carbon storehouse around. Yeah, and you get it right on top of you that way. And then there's the whole stormwater runoff issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a green rooftop, a lot of that water that's coming down during a storm, it's going to hang with the plants. And, you mm-hmm. know, as a bonus, it might be filtered and or absorbed by the plants instead of swirling gutters and dumping directly into a wastewater treatment yeah. system. Instead of going into the sewer, it's 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 generating life on your roof. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. And let's see. Producing energy use. We touched on that. You know, it's just you're more ins- you're more insulated. Uh, so um, you're going to cut down on your heating and cooling cost. And plus, as we touched on a little bit earlier, your neighbors like might like it. I mean, it, it has some aesthetic value, right? Yeah, it d- depends where you where you live. Like, uh, what is it, the Lake Claire Land Trust here in Atlanta? They'd be cool with green roofs. Is that the is that the hippie? That's the hippie place, yeah. Off Candler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they have like the gross stuff and they have drum circles and all that. What's wrong with drum circles? I I, I like drum circles. I'm just saying that as long as they can play uh, play Django with their feet. Do you think they can play Django with their feet? I I. Bet they can do all kinds of things with their feet. <laughs> yeah, and as you were saying, um, a green roof actually could last you longer than a conventional roof. And then, of course, you have a little nice sound insulation and a habitat for wildlife. Which brings me to one story that I was reading about. So there was this Virginia man that was thinking about putting a green roof on his log cabin. And he wrote into the U.S. Green Building Council's Green Home Guide about, you know, the wisdom of such an effort. Okay. And the consultant who answered called uh, called that idea a real expensive squirrel feeder. I was just I was just thinking about that. Like, could I just put nuts all over my roof and have like a brown roof where it's just nothing but fat squirrels? <laughs> right. Because essentially the cabin owner isn't going to have to worry about the urban heat island effect, uh, you know, being a log cabin and all. I'm assuming the log cabin is some some nice patch of Virginia woods, not mm-hmm. necessarily situated in the heart of Richmond. And he's not really going to have to worry about the stormwater overrunning the sewers. But, yeah, the squirrels would definitely be down with that. Well, then you need, like, roof snakes and stuff. It just becomes a an arms race. Or squirrel traps. Or, you know, I, I, know, I, all my, I know a lot about keeping squirrels out of attics, but I don't know about keeping them off of the roof. Because you can keep them out of the attics by... Uh, uh, like during the winter by, uh, like putting up some uh, hot peppers in there or, uh. Have you tried this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've, I've known, like when we first moved into our house, there were hot peppers hanging up to keep squirrels out, but I didn't recognize the time. So I took them down. And then you can like buy like these spicy powder pellet things that are, that are made for, um, from, you just make it too spicy for the squirrels to stand it. And I. Your wife was talking about putting the strobe light. Yes. That was, uh, yeah, that's my, um, uh, my, my father-in-law did that, I believe. Right. Putting yeah. the strobe light in the attic and uh-huh. it got rid of the squirrels. Yeah. That's so great. Cause they hate disco. No, right. no. They hate rave music. Sorry. They might hate disco too. I don't know. Anything that's shiny lights. I think disco's coming back, Robert. Is it? It might be. Good. Um, so what's the setup here of this green roof? You're probably wondering. Um, yeah, like if I wanted a green roof tomorrow, could I get one? Well, let's talk about it first. Let's, let's run you through some of the layers okay. we got going on here. So of course you have your plants, your vegetative mm-hmm. layer, you know, whether it's sedum, whether it's grass, or maybe even a tree or two. Um, but again, you're going to have to think about the root system here. So you're not going to get big trees. And of course you don't want the weight of a big tree on your roof <laughs> anyway. That doesn't seem so, so smart. So these yeah. are going to be smaller plants. And then you have whatever the 
plants are growing in, your growing medium. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a barrier, and that's going to provide stuff, good stuff like drainage and aeration and water storage. And then comes your insulation, and then you have um, another uh, protective layer, and then you have a roofing membrane, and lastly, and very important, you have your structural support to to bear up the whole endeavor. Yeah, like in the Woodruff's uh, case, they said that the, the roof of the existing building was it was a pretty green design anyway, and that it was they said the roof was just way over engineered to begin with, so like weight wasn't even an issue. Really, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so one of the interesting things was you can get this in a modular system. I was reading about a green grid system that consisted of a series of pre-planted modules, and they're made of recycled plastics and well, the 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 trays that hold the mm-hmm. the plants, not the plants. Right. The plants aren't made out of recycled plastic. That would really be a, be a joke, you know. <laughs> yeah. And these modules can be easily placed on a roof or um, a different structure with uh, the capacity for it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So business with a suitable roof uh, rooftop environment already, they can just start ordering these things up. Right, and you're gonna you, you're gonna want to think about an irrigation system too, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of system you go with. Yeah, and you can also get a built-in place system. But the trouble with that is that you may have to roll back vegetation if you have to troubleshoot something going wrong. God forbid, you know, your roof starts leaking or mm. all of a sudden you sprout a, a root coming through one of your air vents in the ceiling. That would be <laughs> bad. Um, and you could wind up waiting a while for vegetation to grow in and be green. So the question here is, can you get one? Can I outfit my house or a business with one? Heck yeah. But it's going to be a little bit easier if you're building new, right? Yeah, it ultimately comes down to the the building design too. Um, if you have really steep, you know, highly pitched uh, rooftop going on, you know, you might not be able to put planters up there. It just depends. Yeah, it probably might slide right back off, right? Yeah. Although they can do, um, they can in fact do green roofs on uh, roofs with a slight pitch to them. Oh, like they put shelving up or something? <laughs> do a terracing system? Oh, I, okay. I I don't know. I'm not sure. I've but cool. Okay. So, that. but the the take home here is that. Even if you have like a more traditional, you know, Western style roof, rooftop, you might be able to. Have I think they can doors. work with a slight pitch. I'm okay. not sure that they can work with, you know, the roof you picture. If you were to draw a house on a piece of mm-hmm. paper and you, know, you did that triangle roof and the square house body. Yeah. I'm not sure that roof is going to work with a, with a green roof. Unless you go with kudzu. <laughs> yeah. You could go with kudzu. And the other thing is if you're building new, you're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, hopefully you have the funds to fund it because like we said, this can be up to $40 a foot. And then, um, you know, getting it past your town or city officials. Maybe they haven't seen a green roof yet. Um, so that could complicate the process and, and the time spent, you know, getting one. Existing structure. Yeah, you could do that. How much do you want it though? And, and do you have a flat roof? Obviously, although, uh, you can do extensive roofs. Remember, extensive is the shallower, mm-hmm. uh, less complicated type of green roof. Um, but you're going to want to consult a structural engineer who's going to be able to tell you whether your old roof was designed to handle the load of plants and, and you tramping across the top. And often the answer is, is no, it can't. So you'd have to go back and, and do some retrofitting. But don't lose hope because Chicago City Hall, the, the famous one that we were talking about with the 20,000 herbaceous plants that covers, you know, 20,000 square feet of mm-hmm. rooftop garden, um, that was a retrofitted green roof. Yeah, and it looks amazing. Yeah. And then I wonder if you could do like a mini green roof. Maybe just do part. Better than nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. So we'd love to hear from you guys if you uh, if you have a green roof or if you're thinking about implementing one. Yeah, or if your uh, your, your company happens to have a green roof project going on, let us know about it. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear your stories. And uh, hey, speaking of hearing your stories, do we have uh, have a little listener mail there? We do, we do. Um, I wanted to share a couple that we received this week. First one is from Katie from Seattle, and she's a new listener. And Katie wrote to tell us some pretty cool stuff about bats. If you guys remember, we did a podcast about bats and white nose syndrome a little while back. And Katie writes, I'm not sure if you've heard this, but a couple years ago, scientists started noticing that thousands of bats were dead around wind turbines, but apparently not from impact with the blades. They discovered that the spinning of the blades causes a drop in air pressure, which effectively causes their lungs to fill with fluid, expand, and kill them, similar to the effects that the bends have on divers. Many wind farms have since started turning off their turbines at night, when the bats are, of course, most active, which has greatly helped the bat population. So that's pretty interesting, Katie. I, we did not, in fact, come across that when we were researching the white-nose syndrome in bats. So hmm. Interesting. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. We also heard from Matt, who apparently isn't sleeping and is instead reading Ender's Game constantly. Uh, he writes, a few, day, a few days ago, I listened to Why Science Fiction Matters, and seeing as I'm an English major, uh, that podcast was particularly enticing. I happened to be passing a bookstore just as I finished listening, so I stopped and I bought Ender's Game. I hope you guys have all read this, because it it really is worthy of losing yeah, a little sleep. It's a really good book. Just really, really good. So Matt says, I rate to thank you for recommending this book to your listeners. And I've read a heck of a lot of novels, and Ender's Game is at the top of my favorites list. Awesome, Matt. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we threw out a number of uh, suggestions there. Uh, so, uh, and, and uh, a few different comments back. Uh, we, we may, uh, uh, well, not just may, I think we're planning to, to revisit science fiction at some point in the future. Oh, we definitely will. Yeah. And maybe even with a chapter on uh, sci-fi and film. What do you think about that? Maybe. We'll see. If you guys want to hear it, you know where to write us. Yeah. We're at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. And hey... We are all over the social media space, too. So if you haven't joined up, we're on Facebook. You can find us at uh, Stuff from the Science Lab. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, we are Lab Stuff. And uh, you'll see us tweeting about different stuff. Uh, I'll tag my stuff RL. She'll tag her stuff AL. And uh, you can just check out whatever we're talking about at the time. Yeah, we are always thinking about science. So if you are, too, check it out. And thanks for listening, guys. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 